You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to Real Vision. It's Tuesday, November 10, 2020. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. It's TG Tuesday. I'm joined shortly by Tony Greer. But first, with the day's stories, Haley Drasnan. Hi, Ash. The three major U.S. equity indices were mixed on Tuesday. The Dow led the way higher, seeing gains off of optimistic vaccine news that was announced on Monday. A coronavirus vaccine developed by Pfizer showed in an early analysis to be more than 90% effective in protecting people from COVID-19. These blue chip stocks were the biggest movers on the Dow Tuesday. Walgreens and another pharmaceutical company, Amgen, were both up. This makes sense because they would both aid in administrating vaccines. Boeing also rallied on news that regulators could lift the 737 max grounding as soon as next week. The S&P 500 saw a mild decline. It was relatively flat, while the NASDAQ was down the most on Tuesday. This also makes sense as NASDAQ-listed work-from-home technology stocks were really hit the hardest due to a possible end in sight for the coronavirus pandemic around the vaccine news. Zoom, Roku, Chewy, and Etsy are among the stocks that are tumbling on Tuesday. There is also other news out of the technology world that is causing some market turmoil. Amazon was down Tuesday on the NASDAQ. The European Commission is challenging Amazon, saying it used independent sellers' data to benefit its own retail business. It announced a second formal investigation into Amazon's e-commerce practices. The commission claims Amazon was using data from its third-party sellers, such as order numbers, revenue, and number of visitors, to inform its strategic business decisions, like reducing the price of products. This is an issue because of Amazon's dual role in both selling products and acting as a platform for independent sellers. It is specifically looking at Amazon's dominant position as an online marketplace in Germany and France, the company's biggest markets in the EU. The first investigation into Amazon was launched in July 2019 over concerns of anti-competitive behavior. The commission's second antitrust investigation now will look at how the company chooses which sellers offer products via Amazon Prime. But the question is how big tech companies use data and deal with their smaller rivals has become a major focus for regulators. China on Tuesday also unveiled regulations to root out monopolistic practices in the internet industry, seeking to curtail the growing influence of corporations like Alibaba and Tencent. The rules, which sent both stocks tumbling and sparked a wider sell-off in Chinese equities, landed about a week after new restrictions on the finance sector that also triggered the shocking suspension of Ant Group, the $35 billion IPO that was expected to go public last week. So big picture, investors are starting to look beyond 
COVID-19 to life after the pandemic. Riskier assets we're seeing are in the green and stocks that performed well during the pandemic are in the red. Is it time now to start thinking about changes to your portfolio, to diversifying for this new lag? COVID is not forever. There's still a lot of unanswered questions, especially as it relates to a timeline to a vaccine and a stimulus bill, but eyes are wide open. On that note, back to you, Ash. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Before we begin, a quick note from yesterday Real Vision was on holiday, and we aired a pre recorded Real Vision daily briefing. Markets yesterday obviously were in motion, and we weren't here to comment. Going forward, if markets are open in the US, we're going to do a Real Vision daily briefing. Finally, we appreciate that the show is missed yesterday by so many, and we thank you again for watching. TG, Tony Greer, welcome back, man. How you doing, Ash? Uh, great. I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, Ed and I were teasing this show, uh, I think it's on Friday. Uh, we got everybody and their brother, every talking head in America on cable news talking about their philosophy, their ideology. Tony, I want to know, what does the tape say? Oh, man, the tape is singing like Luciano Pavarotti right now, Ash. You know, that's why it's really exciting to be in the markets today. You know, we wake up Monday morning to markets clearly singing a different tune, right? We've got two daisy cutter headlines on the tape for the first time for the markets to witness and absorb. We've got President-elect Biden. We've got a vaccine for COVID. And all of a sudden, Ash, you know, you couldn't telegraph it any clearer. The world went from, you know, having to deal with this European lockdown rotation that we were in last week, which is something very specific. We discussed it to looking past COVID type of rotation. Right. The market is clearly with this vaccine, whether or not it is 100 percent effective in putting us back in motion economically immediately or not. The market is looking for that, right? So what has happened this week is we see that lockdown rotation get turned on its head. We see a new inflationary hedge paradise start to show up in the markets in grand scale, large magnitude, and no uncertain terms. the kind of markets that we live for. Yeah, I should say, by the way, we're recording a little bit early here, uh, around 2 o'clock Eastern time. Um, we had to do this for scheduling reasons, but we really just it was so important to get you in to talk about what you're seeing. So what do the numbers say? What are you seeing in terms of price action? What are you seeing in terms of volume? What are you seeing in terms of the technical analysis that you do? Well, let's start with the fact that no matter whether we like it or not, the S&P is trying to break through that double top at 3550 for now. So that 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 continues to keep me on the secular bullish side and thinking that we're going to continue with this rally. But we have to be careful because everything changed about the rally, right? 
Um, you know, let's start with the the indices and having the Russell and the uh, micro cap index absolutely explode. Right on Monday, we had the Russell up three point seven percent, the S and P up one and a quarter percent, and the Nasdaq down one and a half percent. Right, that is a direct unwind of the lockdown rally that we saw since March. It's happening. Tony, a little bit about for people who aren't following this as closely as you are. Tell people who haven't been uh, following it what exactly has happened since March. How have sectors rotated? So what I'm trying to go over now, Ash, is the fact that when we went into lockdown, the big cap tech stocks absolutely took off, right? Your FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Those are the stocks of the companies that everybody had to latch on to during lockdown. Right. Everything from our social media source to our phone that we never took our eyes off of to the Netflix you know, program that we were using to keep ourselves busy. So these are the sort of lockdown stocks that took off. Right. It took big cap equities out in the lead versus small cap stocks, which were sort of being priced to fail into an economic depression. Right. That's potentially caused by the covid lockdowns. So. What we see today and yesterday for the very, you know, we've seen sort of retracements in that trade where small cap and micro cap gets buried and big cap and especially technology rallies. But this right. one was in large magnitude and it was like the flip of a switch and it's continuing today. But most importantly, there are other um, there are other factors that just change dramatically. Okay, Ash, like let's go through some of these because I yeah. put a little bit, bit, a little bit of a list together. We finally see value outperforming growth, right? I'm not much of a um, valuation guy, but it's interesting to watch this dynamic where all of a sudden value starts outperforming growth, which is has not happened in the entire you know lockdown rally since March. We see momentum stocks dropping like stones, right? They're off. There's an ETF called MTUM that you know is housed with all of your momentum stocks, your Apples, your NVIDIAs, your Teslas, um, your Amazons and stocks like that. That's that sector has been down two days in a row very sharply. We've seen Fang be unable to catch a bid. And Ash, this is so relevant to me right now because this feeds into one of my major um, sort of shifting views. When you and I last spoke was two weeks ago. It was a week before the election. And um, we had seen Apple, um, excuse me, we were going into Apple and Amazon reporting. And I think the biggest takeaway was that Apple and Amazon reported and started going down even though earnings were good. Right. right. So we noticed that dynamic. And now on this side of the election and this side of the vaccine, we see you know the exact opposite happening, where the FANG stocks are getting buried and we're seeing small cap stocks explode. We're seeing other um, sort of twists about in the energy sector, where now energy is picking up and looking past the lockdown into more energy being consumed. And we're seeing the solar stocks and the alternative energy stocks that were bid only when we were polling directly for Biden start to fall back from the highs. And I think that's going to be a major change in um, sort of dynamic in the energy market, where fossil fuels come to life and alternative energy backs off now. We've got commodities, Ash, absolutely sending a message this week. You know, Across the board, we've got the Bloomberg Commodity Index, first of all, the basket right back up to the top of the range 
looking to continue its breakout. So that's significant to me. We see grains today, for example, up 4% across the board to new highs. We just had a grains report come out that shows smaller crops, better demand, the typical story, and we've got grains on the run. We had oil come back to life right away from 37 to 41, right, in, right with the restart. And Bitcoin up and leaves the room, essentially, right? So everybody's latching onto this Bitcoin trade. We've got, um, it's trading a little bit more like a risk asset, but more importantly, I think it's um, trading a little bit more as a macro asset in face of the stimulus that's coming. But all of these changes add up to me to just a major sea change in the markets that we're going to see. I'm trying to decide if it's going to be net bullish or net bearish, because I do feel like the best scenario, the best optics and the best setup that we've had for FANG and big tech and the NASDAQ all year is behind us, right? If you look at a chart that I sent over, um, I sent over the NASDAQ divided by the S&P, right? That ratio. And that ratio consolidated around 3.4. It's been in a secular uptrend for 10 years, but probably longer, actually. And it started to finally consolidate around 3.4 for about the last six months. And now it looks like it's broken down significantly with the NASDAQ backing off and some of the other sectors rallying. So there are a few different dynamics at play here, but the signals that we're getting are being sent to us from the bond market. And that's why I'm really, really listening, right? We spoke about it the last, uh, excuse me, two weeks ago that we started to see yields perk up. And now we're in a position where yields are breaking out. Treasury market is breaking down. And I think as I tweeted this morning, you know, if it looks like the Treasury market is starting to price in higher oil, higher grains, higher gold prices and higher inflationary hedges, Trust your instincts, because I think that's what's coming on this side of looking past lockdown, knowing we still have stimulus coming. So that's you know some of the complicated scenarios, Ash, that I'm starting to look at that are really huge sea changes for me on this side of this binary event that the market was you know wound up like a pressure cooker heading into. And so I really want to respect the unwind coming out of it. Yeah, you know, again, markets haven't closed yet. I'm looking at uh, about 2.18 p.m. here, uh, Eastern time, and I'm looking at my screen, and I, I see like a like a 3% spread between NASDAQ going down and Russell 2000 going up. That's big. It's wild, right? It's more, you know, it's more indicative of, you know, that this total unwind. And I don't think this is going to end very quickly because we just spent – Count them on your hands, man. You know, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, winding into that position, you know, with the VIX elevated and tensions high and a lot of headline risk everywhere you look. And so on this side of that event now, Ash, I feel like you've got a little bit less headline risk as long as we are, you know, safe and sound with the president-elect Biden story. You know, we got a uh, sort of I'm calling it a little bit of a red wave in Congress as, yeah. you know, Republican, you know, it just was the inverse of the blue wave that was expected. In fairness, you know, uh, Republicans held on to the House of Representatives, excuse me, held on to the Senate. They picked up 10 seats in the House. Totally unforeseen. It balances the government a little bit. Right. It's going to keep Joe Biden from maybe going a little bit too far to the left. And it's going to keep, you know, maybe the stimulus checks in check. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea, but more stimulus is coming no matter what. And I feel like Jerome Powell is really going to be in charge of the markets going forward.
Yeah, it's a really complicated political picture now, obviously. You know, one of the things that I heard that's kind of interesting uh, is that maybe uh, if the Republicans do maintain control of the Senate, maybe we get kind of a Goldilocks scenario. Maybe there's some secret uh, portion of uh, Joe Biden that actually prefers uh, to work with uh, Mitch McConnell, someone he's worked with in the past, a person of his own generation, a lawyer, maybe. somebody who's been in Washington for many years, and maybe that allows him to say, uh, to the uh, to the left wing of his own party. Hey, I, I agree with you, but I really need to work with Mitch to get something done. There are all these conversations. Obviously, I don't have any of the answers here, but there are all these conversations that are happening. And that, to me, at least, is indicative of the complexity of the situation that we face and the uncertainty that we face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even want to go too deep into the political side of it. You know, right. I think we've co covered it for the market purposes, right? We've got our president in the White House, a president-elect coming into the White House. We've got, you know, a more red than blue uh, Senate again to keep things in check. Um, it might be that Goldilocks scenario. So the market's going to go back to trading on its own vices, right? Which I think if we come back to it, we're going to land at the same place. The Federal Reserve is inflating assets. If you have assets, you're going to be good. And if you don't, you're going to have a problem down the line. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm really trying to focus on which inflation trades are coming to life. But another big dynamic that we had this week, Ash, is what I'm calling the sort of lockdown release rallies, you know, in the sectors that were clearly pinned down under the prospects of them being shut down, right? Like we had the airlines just go into a Four Sigma rally on this vaccine news, like we're about to get back in the air you know, closer to full capacity. We had the hotels gap up higher, back up above their moving averages now. We had the concert halls, I call them, right? Live Nation, which owns Ticketmaster, MSG Entertainment, big gaps higher, above moving averages again. We've had yeah. aerospace and defense perking up for the first time in a while, right? Apparently, it looks like maybe people are thinking that Biden might end this no new wars that we've been in for the last four years. And so maybe that's why aerospace and defense started picking up again. I don't know. But I would expect these types of rotations to continue. The tricky part is, is that those gap higher, um, you know, usually to their extremes in a bout of shorts covering first. And then as they sort of pull back, we'll see, um, you know, whether it's met with buying and they get back on the run again. But I think that a lot of those names, you know, names like JetBlue, Delta, American Airlines, um, you know, Live Nation and MSG from down here, I think they have a lot of upside potential, the hotels, the cruise lines, things like that. If we get back in business and the market wants to price them to perfection, to a better economy, maybe those can rally too. So I think there is a good balance in the market right now with big tech probably having seen, maybe just call it challenge to rally from here. And um, it looks like the Russell and small cap is going to catch up. And it looks like we're going to see a lot of inflation hedges start to uh, come into play if the bond market is giving us real signals right now. Yeah. Live music, a subject that's near and dear to your heart. My last concert, March 2nd, Beacon Theater, widespread panic, you know, and uh, I, I talked to my buddy that I was there with all the time and we say, can you believe that was the last time we were at a show together? And it is uh, it's hard to believe. It's hard to swallow, especially with now going into the winter um, with the U.S. COVID cases looking as bad as they've looked since the beginning. You know, and, and no matter who's coming into the White House, the, into right. Congress, you know, that's something that we should be 
more concerned with. And it looks like, you know, we're not out of the woods. But what's amazing to me is that the new administration, the new look at the vaccine, the market to me is looking very far forward right now. And that's its job. And I feel like it may be looking a little too far forward for some people's taste. And that's why I think it's going to take a lot longer to unwind that last 10 months of trading, let's call it. So let's break it down nice and clear and simple. How are you thinking about positioning yourself going into this period? Energy getting along fossil fuels is, you know, at the top of my priority list. You know, I've been looking at ExxonMobil, trying to keep it simple. I'm watching the oil services sector, OIH. You know, the sector has been beaten and battered. First, they were overloaded with debt, and then it became, you know, the fracking destruction story. And, you know, it, the picture just could not get any worse for oil services. And then we have the situation where now we have the lockdown low and a higher low with sentiment at zero. And I think the important part about the energy trade is is the timing of it, Ash. Right. So let's yeah. just go into let's just go into it. Leading into the election, we had the winner Joe Biden leading in the polls. So everybody was pricing in their energy space to fossil fuels are going to get killed because he said he's going to end fracking, and alternative energy is going to run to the moon because he's going to be a, gr a green energy guy, and. That's all well and good. But what it feels like, you know, this dynamic of having Biden ahead in the polls, of having the ESG movement, you know, come powerfully across Wall Street where everybody's got to get out of fossil fuels. I feel like everybody had to get that done before the election. And I feel like everybody wanted that trade off their pad because you look irresponsible if you've got that long energy trade on your pad into the Biden administration. So now I feel like a lot of the big selling has been done. Um, the stocks have the potential now to make some lower highs. When I look at oil services and I see that it's only tested the 200-day moving average resistance once before since 2018, a guy like me gets excited that this might be the one where it breaks through and runs 40%. And you know, to me, oil services have a better chance of putting up big numbers in the next four to six weeks than you know Apple or Google do from here. You know, do you want to take a shot with a stock that you know has been you know, thrown out with the like the baby with the bathwater in the sector that's been getting killed and sentiment is at zero, that stock may go up, you know, a massive percentage terms where I think the other tech names are going to be struggling. So that's one of the positions that I'm, you know, angling on. You know, the energy trade is an interesting one. There's some counterintuitive aspects of this. You know, there are those who say uh, that, you know, a Republican administration actually increases the supply of oil, which drives down some of these stocks. And I was just looking here, kind of playing around, looking at the five-year charts of ExxonMobil, Chevron, Schlumberger, uh, Halliburton. They've gotten hammered over the course of the Trump administration. That's right. So, and I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a combo. We've seen a perfect storm there, right? First, we saw, you know, Saudi Arabia try to put the shale players out of business, you know, with, by flooding the markets. We saw oil go negative. You know, there are some real scars in trading in the oil market right now. And I think that, you know, those are the signs of things that you see at secular bottoms. Um, it wasn't the Trump administration himself that was pounding oil. It was this ESG movement, right? The movement into environmental, social, and governance conscious equities. And it was, um, you know, the people having to get out of fossil fuels in, with the pending Joe Biden administration, which we're now about to look into. So, you know, it, 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 to me, you know, we call this in, in uh, commodity trading, the old school guys call it like a beach ball underwater. 
right? Because the energy market has been held down and held down and, and actually tried to be pushed to lower levels and it never went down to that lower level. And so when you see a higher low in a sector that is really just getting annihilated in the headlines and all of a sudden the stocks start reacting positively to bad news, you know, that's a good sign to me that, you know, the, the, the dry heave already happened and the big selling right. in these names has been done. And we know what happens, you know, when that, when that plays out is that all of a sudden they start floating away. And next thing you know, you've got big plain vanilla guys coming in and saying, yeah, it looks like, you know, the energy stocks have weathered the storm. And, you know, maybe we aren't going to buy directly into these fossil fuel names, but we'll pick away at some of the corollary names. And we'll buy oil. And next thing you know, you know, the whole sector starts coming to life again. So if you're looking for performance, Ash, I think you have to look for sectors like, you know, the ones that have been beaten down all year that things have changed for. Look at cannabis, for example. Yeah. You know, the U.S. multi-state operators have been breaking out like gangbusters during this election event. It's no it's no shock to anybody that True Leaf, Cure Leaf, and um, Green Thumb have been just up and to the right here. And if you look at this ETF, MSOS, which is the US MSOs, the multi-state operators, you know, it's broken through its launch price and it's got a nice cup and handle to it. And a lot of these names, if you take a step back to 30,000 feet and look at them on the charts, you know, they still have barely started making a recovery move. And so, you know, right. when you see the we see the potential to these names that are starting to break out technically. They're getting above their 200-day moving averages, and they've got a lot of upside. Those are the things that I want to start looking at and start maybe putting on a hedge where I'm starting to short some technology names or I'm shorting um, you know, maybe internet stocks, FDN, or shorting software for a brief period of time until it gets to a period that I want to buy it. And being long, most of those inflation hedges, I'm going to stick with my gold miners and things. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You know, just to say, I mean, January 3rd huge day for cannabis, right? If it weren't for all of the uh, air being sucked out of the room with the contentious election, this is one of the biggest stories we've seen. It's here on the East Coast, my uh, ancestral home of New Jersey legalizing cannabis. It seems like it's only a matter of time before it's New York as well. And then you get those two big dominoes falling on the East Coast. This is starting to look like a major national movement. And then obviously in other places, uh, we saw voters, I think in South Dakota, uh, legalize. I mean, this is a this seems like it's a national movement. It seems like the uh, like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Yeah, I, I like that idea, Ash, very much. And, you know, we, tomorrow we are going to get a look at an interview that I did with Todd Harrison on Real Vision that, um, you know, got me, had me pretty frothy build up after speaking with him, who's, yeah. you know, the master class in the space. But the story is, is that this is sort of cannabis 2.0. You know, the 1.0 story was the Canadian growers and the beginning of branding and, you know, getting cannabis from, you know, Canada to the U.S. and out to the markets. And we saw that sort of 
call it fall on its face. You know, cannabis is down massively over the last two years. And so we finally troughed and it looks like we can pick up again. And we've got a lot of win in ourselves with cannabis 2.0. Like you said, we had the five state legalization during this election. Um, the people's choice seems overwhelmingly positive. It seems like an overwhelmingly good idea in terms of tax receipts for the other states to legalize. And like Todd discussed, we're expecting a domino effect of legalization, which is just going to expand these markets. So if you want to get exposure, you know, you can either pick one of your horses in the U.S. MSO race or you can just buy the MSO as ETF. And, you know, I think that when you look back from it five years from now or 10 right. years from now, certainly you're going to say, yeah, that was the turn. You know, we should have been jumping all over it back then. We just started legalizing it and the stocks were troughing at the same time and coming back to life. You know, so to me, this yeah. is one of the big time potential sectors. Yeah, look, I'm not an especially deep thinker about the space, but if you ask me the question, where are we in 2030 versus where we are in 2020, pretty clear the direction, right? Exactly, exactly. I feel like, you know, and, and like Todd likes to say, you know, until the Safe Banking Act gets passed that will give them access to capital, we won't have any big, plain vanilla presence in these names yet. And so once you see that get legalized, um, you know, once the Safe Banking Act passes, and that's going to open up a lot of mutual fund charters to be able to trade these names now. And that might be cannabis 3.0 to see when, you know, the real investor starts coming into these names. And then next thing you know, we'll have, you know, everybody will have their favorite cannabis stock that's been, you know, performing right. like a dot com stock, hopefully. Yeah, you know, one of my very conservative investor friends was talking to me over the weekend about it. And he said that was the one thing that gave him pause. What's that? The potential that there could be a federal crackdown on uh, on the financing of it. He said that was the one thing that stuck out in his mind as a major risk for the industry systemically. Yeah, that's fair. I think we're going to get through that, though, with more and more legalization. I mean, th th that's the whole game right now is access to capital. You know, and if you're one of the big Canadians, you know, you probably got it through the Canadian banking side. And now it's got to filter into the U.S. so that these companies can operate a little bit more easily. And what's nice is that it's going to um, it'll make some of the other junior companies come to life again once they get capital and be able to compete a little bit more easily. But as of right now, it's kind of like the big three or four or or sort of struggle to get capital. Yeah. Tony, I want to ask you a little bit more of a general question, switch gears here a little bit. You know, we go through great pains not to talk about politics on this show in a way that, you know, expresses personal opinions. I know that nobody cares who I voted for. I'm never going to talk about it. But the thing that's interesting to me is when we see these headlines coming out of Washington, D.C., if you're watching the news, headlines are just whipsawing you around. There's, you know, did this administration official tell a joke when he said X, Y, or Z, or was he serious? I mean, there's just all kinds of craziness out there right now in the wake of this election. So my question to you, Tony, is when you when you hear these stories, when you see this stuff trending on Twitter, what, if anything, do you do about it? How do you contextualize it? How do you think about it in terms of your process? Is it something that's just a sideshow until you see it on the tape? Do you try and process it? Do you bake it in? How do you think about it at the most general level? I want to think about it like I am the markets, right? The market is going to give me a read on what it's doing, right? The markets woke up Monday morning and the markets were saying, president-elect Biden, right? So no matter what Mike Pompeo says, no matter what, what you know, Trump lawsuits are filed, and, and we'll respect those two down the line because there is a clear process in the election transition, et cetera, we don't even need to get into it. The market tells me Biden's president-elect, guess what I think? 
Biden's president-elect until proven otherwise, right? And that's where we're going to dust ourselves off politically. We're going to move on. We're going to say we've got a system of checks and balances here with, you know, a little bit more red Congress than we were expecting. We're going to say no matter what, politicians come and go and we have the markets forever. So I want to listen to what the markets are telling me. You know, every time I see a headline that, you know, makes you think like, holy cow, is this election going to get turned or something like that? You know, like those comments that you're referring to that we saw Mike Pompeo responsibly or irresponsibly utter. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, but we look at the tape and say, is it pricing in a destabilizing event here in the U.S.? Is it pricing in not knowing who's president again? So far, the answer has been no. So far, the answer has been we are on to the next in the markets. We are on to the inflation hedge paradise trade, man. You know, with commodities perking up like this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was getting a lot of heat for trying to say play commodities from the long side here. They're underinvested, they're underloved, they're undervalued. There's so much that could happen in an inflationary scenario. Then I got some help from my old boss, Lloyd Blankfein, went out and said, you know, this physical commodity space really looks good. And everybody had to come out and dump on Lloyd's head right on right after they dumped on my head, which was ah, they're not going anywhere. COVID cases are coming. Oil's going down. Gold can't hold the rally. You know, grains are in the hole. And now you turn around and BCOM is back to the top of the range again. And market based inflation expectations are firing again from the curve to break evens to everything like that. So as long as the tape is sending me signals, that's all I'm listening to, right? That's all I'm listening to. In fact, I'm so over the politics that I, I, it's, it's this close to being on the full scale noise cancellation policy. Because on this side of the election with that market reaction that we saw Monday, changed everything for me. And I think that we went over why, you know, all these dramatic things that were going on since the lockdown turned on their head, you know, that to me opens up a whole new world of trading. And that that's where, you know, you become, you can get over whatever result you might've been hoping for when the casino is open over your shoulder and it is rocking and, you know, you don't know where to put your money first. Because yeah. like I said, you know, when when decisions like this are being made at high volatility at a high level in the S&P, the portfolio managers are leaving tire tracks all over the tape. So if you do your homework, if you put in the work and, and analyze what they've done at the end of every day and at the end of every week, you know, it's going to start to give you a much different roadmap than we were looking at for the last nine to 10 months. And I think that if you take the changes that need to play into that roadmap, you're on the way to finding killer trades through the end of the year. And that, that's what I'm hunting right now, quite honestly. I'm looking for the ones that are going to close on December 31st, you know, sailing in that direction that they pick up starting this week. And so I think that there are plenty of sectors that are going to sort of go that way for the rest of the year. And that's what I want to find the right time to get into those. And that's what the market's all about to me right now, Ash. Yeah, Tony, that's very well said. In a world filled with opinion uh, and people talking, it's the screens over your left shoulder that are the final judge, right? Yeah, man, that's our playing surface. That's the one that's going to be there when there's a new president and five presidents later and then 10 presidents after him. It's going to be, you know, oil versus copper versus gold versus the S&P versus treasuries. And, you know, we're going to be here to exploit everything we see, no matter who's in office. So, 
you know, that that's what matters. That's what matters to me. And I'm sure to, you know, a lot of people on Real Vision that are watching. And so that's what we're going to focus on going forward. You know, where is the money? Yeah, absolutely. So with that said, as you look ahead toward the end of the year, you look to think about those sectors. What are you seeing? What are you thinking about and why? You know, so so the market came out Monday and sort of flashed us this, right? Here's the new normal for markets. It's the reverse of that European lockdown that we traded last week while we were going through the election process, right? It's the 180 degree opposite thing. So I'm going to be watching to see, you know, like like I said, I think that we're at a major inflection point in the markets. And I'm, that's that's sort of the first thing that I'm looking for. I want to monitor that to see if this continues where small cap starts outperforming FANG stocks for the next foreseeable, you know, short term future. And that'll tell me that we've really flipped the switch in the markets. And then I'm going to drill down into all of those trades that we talked about, right? The energy trade, you know, potentially fading alternative energy, um, getting long cannabis names, you know, selectively and opportunistically. But I want to find the trades that are going to soar into the end of the year. And it might be something like banks, right? It might be something that we haven't discussed. It might be something like aerospace and defense. So I'm really going to be keyed in on daily and weekly performance in these sectors to see which one has got the most room to run. Because I feel like, you know, we're going to get to a point this year where it's going to be very clear again the way the markets are progressing. I feel like it's going to be very clear that the big tech is struggling to perform from here. I think it's going to be very clear that inflation hedges are performing well from here. And then I think that you're going to get to ride those trades even further into the future. So this is a time to be sitting up in your chair and paying attention to opens and closes and uh, doing some extra time on the weekend, seeing what moved by how much and where it landed and where it's going. You know, and that, that's kind of my bread and butter. So, you know, my uh, my my work hours are booked through the weekend for the next couple of weeks, but I'm looking forward to spending the time on the markets. Tony, great context, great color. Looking forward to continuing this conversation. Oh, yeah. This this conversation just took on a new life, Ash, you know, with things changing as dramatically as they are. So th there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to follow up on and drill down into. So let's stay on our toes here, man, and not miss them. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Greer, editor of Morning Navigator. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ash. Always great. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.